0: Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 285 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, it's our U.S. Cyclocross National Championship post-mortem. We're going to talk about everything that happened in the elite races at Cyclocross Nationals in Hartford, Connecticut that took place last weekend. Before we get to that, uh, we got a sponsor, and it's one that we've had before, and I'm sure you've heard about. But now's when you take advantage of the offer that we have for the Hammerhead Karoo 2, and that's that you can get a free heart rate monitor if you purchase a Karoo 2 by using the code CXRADIO. CXRADIO. So uh, you get. Get the crew to, I'm getting right to it. I'm getting right to it, right past the copy, right past everything. And just telling you how you get this because time is of the essence. we got the holidays coming up. Uh, I know you're looking for ideas. This is an easy one. Hammerhead crew two. They've raised the bar for cycling computers. You know that you can get advanced GPS navigation, intuitive software in a way that you and I, many people have never thought possible. We we know all of this. You want one. Or you want to give it as a gift. And now's the time to do it and get the heart rate monitor for free because you're listening to me yammer on about this computer. To do all that, you get the Hammerhead Crew too. You put it into your checkout basket. You get the heart rate monitor. You also put it into your checkout basket. You go, you check out. You put in the code CXRADIO. Uh... As I always like to tell you in my copy, it's all CAP, C-X-R-A-D-I-O. So I would just go with that to be on the safe side. You check out and you're not charged for the heart rate monitor. Easy peasy. Hammerhead. Karoo 2. Bill, where do I go to find this? Well, let me tell you that information. You go to hammerhead.io. Hammerhead.io. Use the promo code CXRADIO. Get your Karoo 2 and your heart rate monitor for free. All right, real quickly, uh, if you want to get to, in touch with any of us, um, easiest way to get in touch with me, Bill, feedback at CXHairs.com. If you specifically want to talk to Zach or me and Zach, I'm on that uh, email as well, you can use the bulletin at gmail.com or just hit any of us up on Instagram or Twitter. Okay. It's episode 285 of Cyclocross Radio. We're in the media pit with Zach and with Michael. We're talking about U.S. Cyclocross Nationals, and we're doing all of it. All of it. Right now. We are back, back from Hartford, Connecticut, the three of us, and back in the media pit to uh, talk about U.S. cyclocross nationals. I don't, I, I don't think we're going to talk much about Dublin, if at all. It, it, it looked like amazing racing, but I think we have enough to cover for just uh, cyclocross nationals for the United States that we are going to concentrate on that. Michael, uh, better, better travel to and from Hartford this time around than Pan Am's?
1: uh yeah no i think so it, it was it was pretty smooth and i want to give quickly the head of the show i want to give a shout out to our host becky and royce who really allowed us to see more of, of of connecticut you know i wouldn't have you know zach we would have gone from like hotel to venue hotel to venue but we went out to new haven we went to yale we got pizza so shout out to uh citra captain and Cusco those are the pets I think it's funny that you asked that
2: bill because the question did come up like while we were driving to to check out we did get we got local flavor too. we kept it you know on brand we got some new haven pizza uh, but the question came up like Zach, are you gonna complain about Michael's travels on the podcast? and I was like, no, absolutely not like this was super smooth, like everything worked great. I was able to get the rental car, you know, I was right there to to pick him up or whatever, so really no complaints uh on the travel, and yeah, I think we upgraded too i was i think it got a little pity, little pity on Sunday night with like just our, our gear and our muddy stuff spread around. But it definitely was it was no Pan Ams, the true, true media pit that we had there.
1: We flopped out in the living room for sure, like flopped out with laptops, gear, like boots, like food, soda cans. And and they and kudos to them because they let us do the thing. They're supporters of the network and, and the show. And so uh, I think they knew that we were trying to make the cool content and um but yeah we it was it was a little bit of a pit a little bit yeah
2: well and they said they set a high bar too I mean I know we've got stuff to talk about but Royce was like hey do you want me to power wash your boots before you travel home <laughs> I mean this was like the Ritz for host housing so kudos to uh to our friends Royce and Becky
0: wow white glove treatment yeah we we were in New Britain Connecticut I, I, the last time that nationals were in Hartford. We all stayed downtown and that was when the snowstorm was there. And it's, it wasn't the best. I mean, we all were sick too and got the flu and it was still like, you know, back in the day where you got the flu and you're like, I can gut through this and still went and worked the weekend and felt like crap. And, um, yeah, it was, there was definitely different memories of that, but yeah, we were in new Britain this time. It was me and, uh, Tobin Merriam, who was, was, uh, creating, video content so we had half a media pit and then uh elliot and taylor who were working for the cx Airs devo team also also in that house so it was a it was a good time we did get pizza as well so uh uh, very good very good connecticut pizza it was the
2: uh, media x mechanical pit collaboration
0: yeah exactly so let's um jump right in here zach First Hartford Nationals was your first Nationals covering it for Cyclocross magazine return 5 years later first impressions just of anything that was oh this looks really similar versus hey these look like some changes that that maybe were needed or were at least different
2: I mean I thought it looked uh very very much the same I mean the hill was definitely different um I think it just worked, you know, the diagonal, the choose your own adventure worked in part because of the snow. It was just so epic. And, you know, you remember how frozen that was and conditions were different. Uh, I don't know, you know, this year, the, it was relentless. I mean, there were all that, run, there was all that running, but really, you know, some of the huge differences was how quickly you could get back on your bike. So it was actually like the skilled thing. Like, Do you work on remounting your bike on the top of a very steep hill that you may uh, slide off of? Uh, So that was interesting. Um, You know, one of the big changes uh, we ran into Ben Frederick actually at the, the airport. And he was like, I'm going to let you in on a secret. he's like, Saturday's course was harder than Sunday's course. I was like, Oh, really? Uh, And he talked a lot about the section, the second half of the the course, you know, the flowy section around by the gazebo, the gazebo section. Um, You know, they took a bunch of that out for Sunday's race, but there was so much you had to be able to, like, if you could ride it with flow, if you knew the lines, you could pick up so much ground on other riders. And so I think that was definitely a big change. I do have to say and I'll turn it over. It's just funny. Very youth sec. You know, we're looking at lap times. 12, 13 minutes all week. And then after Saturday's races, they're like, due to long lap times, we're going to shorten the course. I was like, now Saturday, <laughs> we've been looking at 14 minute lap times in some races this week. Like, I, I don't know. I thought maybe it should have been shortened up earlier um, because, you know, 12, 13 minutes is just too long for a cyclocross cross lap.
0: Oh, I agree. And it was, it was tough to cut co- tough to cover. I think their, their reasoning was that what big for the Sunday, they had a lot that they needed to put in and to counteract that, they were going to take out some of the, I mean, I guess in in Ben's eyes, maybe the tough they, stuff they took out was tougher, but, you know, they, they put in a lot more elevation. So they put in that whole second off-camber section that was not there for the rest of the weekend. They put in the... Uh, big climb right before the finish that was not there for the rest of the weekend. So you know, I, I think adding those—that's you're adding another at least another minute, minute and a half with those sections. If you leave everything else, in, you're looking at even for the elite, you're looking at 14 minute
1: laps, which is just not not good at all. Not good for anybody. So I wasn't there in 2017, and I, I, I kind of vaguely remember the the, the main hill, the levy. You know, this year they sort of went up. A smaller section came back, decking around, went up a big one, and then did like the jingle cross down. I was it that complicated or that involved in twenty seventeen, or was that sort of the big difference with the levy there?
0: Yeah, so they they brought it closer to the pit. So they used, and then that first section was where what Zach was talking about with the choose your own adventure, which was just completely wide open and went on forever. In two thousand and seventeen, it was just truncated down to almost nothing i mean enough but really isn't that right zach i mean it was nothing compared to what it was before.
2: well there was a there was a frivolous down and up that was removed after the wait for it was it the first bi- viral butt slide no. no okay all right just want to make sure
0: i don't right. know i haven't i i mean I, I i i hear no but i've seen no
2: video
1: True. evidence good it. good zach you said viral butt slide right the first one was in hartford i i do have video evidence on my hard drive of the 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 Austin heritage butt slide that I should maybe post. I, he
0: says this, Zach, but he, he was like, you know, searching, searching, searching. And I, I know until I see it. I'm uh, Trust but verify. That's all. That's all we're under. <laughs> that's right fair. Now. So I think in 2017,
2: it ended up that and there was a whole nother section on the levee on the far side that was in for exactly one day. It was in for the Wednesday races and they took that out. So it was just like you did the choose your own adventure. You kind of work delay along the top and I think you just descended down like just straight off. So, but it was the visuals. It was, you know, we talk a lot about just, just tape it, tape it 80 feet wide and see what happens. But there were really only two lines that uh, emerged
0: on there. Um, All right. I'm starting with the tough questions first, Zach. So this is, uh, this is going to be the the, um, hot button items right off the bat. Better sand situation a, one that comes right after the start but is groomed every race so it's difficult to ride through, or B, sand section that is never groomed the whole week and is just single track that people are going through at 25 miles per hour. Can I tell a funny story about
2: this? So I'm, uh, I'm at the boathouse uh, it, with two to go. I'm at the boathouse. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get something different. I'm going to get the boathouse from behind whatever and uh nathan Schneeberger from snowy just comes zooming over on his e-bike so nathan has an e-bike to get around which actually the first time ever i was jealous that he had the e-bike because this course was so spread out he comes zooming over he's like curtis is back in the game and i was like he's like they're over by the sand pit and i was like there's a (laughs) sand
0: pit (laughs) you made it that far into the weekend wow it was the party zone, Zach. You didn't go back to the
1: party zone? There was nothing going on over there. It was like, so they wanted to shorten the course. Why didn't they just take that out? Like that was sort of like... Yeah, they took the cool section
2: in the woods out. Like there was a right. cool twisty, like with yeah. the exit near pit. And it was like a really tough corner that uh, people were like crashing on. They could have just like cut right across that field, taken out that, you know would have accomplished the same thing.
1: I will say in their defense, they did learn because I think on Saturday they had a big camera on the sand pit. And then I think for Sunday's broadcast, it was just this the the steady cam, the, what do you call it? The, um, not a, yeah, static, like not a GoPro, but essentially a GoPro cam. And that way you like, you pointed directly at worst static cam I've ever seen in my entire life. That was, that was as
2: bad as the one at Pan Ams in 2018 that caught the riders coming around the final corner onto the start finish straight where you saw them for literally like 0.8 seconds. You were like, Oh, they're,
1: they're once. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that.
0: I don't know if we want to get into this now, but they could have taken that, uh, that, um, uh, Shoulder cam that they had uh posted down there on the other days and put it at the finish. Camera, so, gate, could have been camera gate. Camera well, gate. Camera gate. Well, here's the thing. I i was. So I guess we'll get into it now. So th- that was the thing. You know, if you watch Sam, Sam, Wy- the Sam Wiley Smith uh, content <laughs> uh creation. um Damn, I'm getting it wrong, Sam. I'm sorry. I think it's the that Sam Wiley something... Smith content system. Yeah. But he's got system. a. Gift. There it is. I knew there was an S. Yeah. It <laughs> so it's Sam, you know, and it, Sam had issues there the the first time. He didn't come back. But one of the things, one of his criticisms was that all of those issues with the overcrowded finish line could have been solved by elevating the finish line camera. And we get there and it's like Friday or no, it's Saturday when they set up the cameras. And I look at the camera. I'm like, that is on the ground. And um, I'll admit it. I sent a photo to Sam. So I was able to uh, sort of <laughs> start. yep, yeah, Start that ball rolling. I'm sure. Sure. We all were I'm sure he got plenty of them. He got good angles. I mean, you got, you, it might've been yours. That was a side angle. I got like this yeah. straight on angle. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but here's the, th- here's what I was told because I was, Pointing at it and having a conversation with somebody because we we're trying to figure out where we were going to if you don't know this affects where if you are shooting as a photographer this race where that finish line camera is affects where we're able to go we have to stay out of the way of that camera which is fine that's Everywhere, every World Cup. World Cups, they usually have like a, a tape or chalk or spray paint, and there's a, this 10-meter line that goes back, and you're not allowed to go in front of it. And if you do, you're you know, basically going to get kicked in the head, and those are, those are the rules that we all live by and, and accept. Uh, nothing like that here. It's just sort of like, you know, trust that everybody's going to stay where they're supposed to stay. But the camera was on the ground again, and it wasn't up top. If it's up top sh- shooting over us, this isn't an issue. And, but what I was told was that there was going to be someone with a handheld camera at the finish line, and that that camera, this was the exact quote I got from someone official, was only for the whole shot. That enormous $200,000 camera was only going to be used for the whole shot. I was like, sweet, so we won't have any of these issues. And we talked about which side would you want to be on. I was like, well, I want to be on the right side, you know, stage right so I can – so we all can shoot the crowd because bigger crowds can be on that side. And they were like, cool, you can go over there. And then it was good because we get there and that finish line camera is the only camera there. And there was never a handheld
1: camera anywhere, not even for, like, the end of the race. Right, and so – so i I, in that scene well so my postulation was did they have to use that camera and position it there because that camera was then the the uh interview camera which they swung over across the crowd of photographers to do the interview and like i you know i'm not going to claim to know anything about their budgets and i'm sure it's not they didn't have enough ever have enough so like we, we need to do, we need to kill two burns with one stone. And so we're a finish line camera slash interview camera. We'll do an awkward pan.
0: Which is normally when you have that second camera. And even after all of the crap that went down in 2017, in that race, I was doing those interviews for the broadcast and I had my own camera operator and we were outside. They had set up a step and repeat outside of the finish line. So we were not in anybody's way camera operator me close together didn't have to be you know 15 feet away from each other and did all the interviews and it didn't interfere with anything else so that that was yeah sorry guys that was that was a miss
2: well and they also it was also you know usually the finish line is pretty well controlled and in this case it wasn't because there was a gap actually right after the whole shot and in the women's single speed race people almost got run over Bodie and I were literally like 30 seconds to the race we're yelling and screaming at people because there's the people from the previous race are just mingling there. I'm like, you know, and it, it, it created even more chaos. So they were yelling at riders to get out of the way. And, you know, Scott Funston as Scott Funston does, you know, he was, he said hi to Sam. Uh, but you know, he was saying afterwards, he's like, you literally let everyone on the course in the, you know, in the mix zone or whatever in that zone. And then, you know, they are trying to control and they're like, you got to get out of the way. It's like people just finished the race. Like, they shouldn't have to like go diving off the course at the end of the race. I mean, it worked for like one of our winners having so many people there, but it's like, I I just remember it like Reno, you weren't allowed there. Like, I just remember in the past, like you weren't allowed in there without a credential. And they were just like YOLO. Not only do we have a bad camera situation, but literally everyone and their sister is allowed into the zone after the race. And it was pure chaos.
0: Yeah. And, and, and and part of that, you know, we, I completely appreciate that USA cycling is so undermanned, it's not even understaffed, excuse me. It's not even it's it's not even funny anymore. They just don't have anybody working for them. The you know, it's tough to sort of train volunteers into what you're doing. So I, I get all that, but it was it could have been it could have been handled
1: better. Yeah yeah you know yeah i want to say that I, I i get it like i understand the situation but yeah we're sort of just and then. then this is what happens and then we're you know i think you know we all tried to work around it as best we could and the photographers were i think we were all pretty wary that okay that camera's swinging over let's like you know but it did create some uncomfortable situations and i mean i know also i know that like that's how the teams had to come in on that road and it actually crossed the course and i'd saw in someone's vlog that kind of caused him issues so yeah i mean i know that this is a venue probably that it's they only so much you can control and it's not a lot of ways in and out of there so it makes things difficult but um yeah 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 fun times in the uh, media pit this weekend i mean it made for good
2: content from sam i enjoyed listening to his podcasts about it and you know fed the beast of the the memeing
0: but but in the end, it didn't it, it it thankfully didn't really interfere with any of the races, any of the race finishes. And you're right, Zach. The the chaos that ensued after Curtis won his race, you know, was, was special and may not have been th- the same without without that sort of lack of security there, which made it just a crazy mob. It it, it reminded me a little of like the end of a, a downhill race where it was just like. Yes, we have all these protocols and security, and there's no way you're stopping this mob. It's just everybody's going to be on and the course.
2: I personally don't really care because no one besides us is covering cyclocross anymore. I mean, Bill, you remember when we were uh, we were frenemies and we, we would we would develop our symbiotic relationship to make sure that we could get the interviews. But there was more competition. You know, there'd be Velo News people thrusting cameras in people's faces, and like it was just like you know people were actually competing to get these interviews. And now I was like, even after Chris won, I was like, Curtis, you know the drill, and he's like, yep. And, like, we got our interview, you know, no problem. And so, yeah, I, I think actually the chaos was pretty great. And to, to wish, witness that and what ended up happening, at least in the men's race, was pretty special. So no complaints here. I mean, you know, poor Tom from USA Cycling. He did, he did yeoman's work trying to get that situation to, to be good. And, you know, and then, yeah, for the most part, I thought it was okay. And Funson got to do something funny. Uh, I heard he has a new name, though, in case folks don't know.
0: The happy fun ball, happy fun That's ball. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, he's he's still trying to be like, oh yeah, looks like the CX Harris guy's doing a lot of memes lately. Hmm, I'm like, no, <laughs> don't even, not even, you're not, Bill. That deflection, that deflection is not Ooh, working. Deflection, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um Should we go through some of these? uh, Just quickly through some of these early races. Um, I can just go through, and then we'll uh, jump in with the elites. Uh, Junior women was – a race, uh, Samantha Scott looked really good in there. I think she had a nice lead. Mecha- I don't know if it was a mechanical or a crash. I think it was a mechanical. Uh, ended up dropping back and, and losing that race. I think it was a devastating uh, result for her, but Kaya Musgrave put in a, a fantastic race and is the Junior Women National Championship in the Junior Men. Uh good um, battle between... You know, just even even one through five there for a while. Dan English uh, ending up at fifth, Miles turn in fourth, David Thompson in third, Magnus White your defending national championship in second. But the guy that won, AJ August, Andrew AJ August. I, I think we just have to take a second and look at his cyclocross um, palmares for for this year because. There used to be this thing called the heat check. <laughs> it seems to have fizzled. Um, he is on the heat check of heat checks right now. Uh, AJ has raced four times this year. He started his season at the back of the field at Tabor and ended up 10th. He then got a little bit better, I think, third row start because of that result at Moss Mechlin and finished 4th. He then went out and won Copenhagen Cross in his third race of the season. Didn't race anything past Copenhagen Cross. Comes to U.S. Nationals and takes the win. I mean, that's, that's, I, I don't even, he checked. That's 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 the only thing that I can call that. That's That's pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive for A.J. August. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that's pure
2: talent. I think, you know, talking to folks, they're just like, you know, and we talked about it. These other these other juniors are that's a talented class. I mean, David Thompson, you know, he was there, he won Pan Am's, but I think you know, AJ Olc is clearly on another level, and he's a special talent, and it's really exciting uh, to see kind of what comes next for him uh, as he kind of moves up the ranks. So, I mean, that's just like that's the kind of thing that like you need like pure undiluted talent to pull off.
0: Yeah but and, and but you're absolutely right you're like those top 5 that I listed that that is a really talented really fast class which is really great to see I mean it's cool it's nice to look down in the junior ranks and see that there there are
1: these men coming up that are are really talented and and really fast I wanted wait before we move on I just wanted I'm I'm over here perusing this kid's results cuz I don't really know him and you know I I think Rob pay attention AJ August is the hot tubes he's the 17 year old national crit champion so get him on your show
0: yeah and that's uh, that's why he wasn't racing cross i mean he does a full on road season and was taking time off obviously was able to get back in shape yes
2: slight correction uh he did do a local new york race in november Five
0: races, okay which he won i didn't, <laughs> i am I'm, I'm sorry colin i did not uh check the 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 source the of record for a cycle oh my cross. gosh uh, in in the women's u23 field uh some some names we we've heard of lauren zerners had just an excellent season ended up on the elite podium down in uh north carolina both days came in third place nice result for her because the two i mean women who she is very familiar with in front of her uh two names that we're all familiar with katie klaus uh racing for cmu in the uh in the national just kept it kept it college the whole way through i think that um she has collegiate obligations, as we already, you know, talk about with Rally, and they're not really stoked on their people racing cyclocross, but she went ahead and did this, you know, because she had to do collegiates, jumped into the U23, and it was great to great to see her up near the front, uh, but only in second place. And Zach, to, to use your um, line of uh, Femme Van Empel, I believe somewhere... In Colorado, there is a two-year-old who has never seen Katie Klaus win a national championship. It's wild. Uh, Maddie Monroe, though, I mean,
2: you know, last year I think we kind of – maybe I kind of hyped it up, uh, the battle between her and Klaus. And Klaus kind of like – kind of ate her lunch. (laughs) I mean, Katie was clearly better. And so – um, yeah, I mean, one, it was great to see Katie Klaus uh, there racing cyclocross. I ran into her a couple times, and you know, she talked about how much she misses cyclocross. Um, I think she was like, after Sunday's race, she's like, I literally was like off my couch to racing cross, um, so... Uh, It was good to see Katie Klaus uh, racing cyclocross, but really all credit goes to Maddie Monroe. I think we've seen that she is just on such a high level and we saw it with her results in some of the races that she did earlier this year. Uh, You know, another of those kids that's not doing cross all the time. She had a huge mountain bike season and she's uh, trying to, you know, go to college and everything. Um, But, you know, I don't want to take anything away. Maddie Monroe is on such a high level and I'm really excited uh, to see what she does the rest of the season in Europe against her her peers.
1: Maddie Monroe, just... Speaking of Maddie Moreau and Klaus, also one and two in women's collegiate varsity. So,
0: Yeah, they had a warm-up race there the the day before, which was pretty cool. But just to talk about Maddie, and I'm not sure what her European schedule is like in cyclocross. Um, Hopefully she has something put together. But what I think is promising for her is if you look at what she was able to do in mountain bike at the world cup level last season, you know, we always talk about, it's completely different, you know, American cross versus European cross is completely different. The same goes for mountain biking. It's the same sort of aggressiveness that you have to deal with. And she was right up there in that, in that field, uh, For for World Cup mountain biking, I think at the U twenty three level, so and was able to compete, was able to get you know on podiums or near podiums, come back from mechanicals, fight for the front. So that to me shows that she can sort of port that experience over to cyclocross and still have 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 good results, you know, in in those races. Uh, Moving over to the men's U twenty three. Good race for the CX Airs Devo squad. I'll, I'll 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 be a homer on this one. Uh, um, Jack Spranger fifth place in here. He he won Pan Am's, uh, so I know that at least with uh, Andrew Strohmeyer, you know who uh, Spranger out sprinted at uh, Pan Am's. This was uh, kind of like the guy that he was watching there early on, uh, but it really came down to uh, Strohmeyer, who won it of uh, Jules Van Kempen for Alpha. Groove. Silverthorn in second. Great race by Jules. I mean, really, you know, he he I think uh was struggling um near to late in the season and really put it together and put in a, a great race for this one. Uh Dylan McNeil on his wheel the whole time in third. Daxton Mock, uh just a little bit of a heartbreak there. He got dropped off early, um, sort of lost the gap, was always kind of fighting back to Jules and dylan in second and third place was able to close it down with a lap to go actually went in front and was running second and flatted and sliced his tubular with uh, half a lap to go and um ended up fourth so you know great result for fourth but just uh really that was kind of the the disappointment in there in the uh cxers devo camp because um yeah it just 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 sort of Unfor- unfortunate circumstances for him in there but still just uh, all around great race for our squad and also also for Alpha and I think that brings us to the elite races so I'll let you guys talk some where do you want to start before we go to the elite races
1: I do want to give a sh- this is that's that classic Michael Segway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I, I want to put it in now because <laughs> there is a, a fellow wide angle podium podcast host who happened to win his own Stars and Stripes this year Alan Schroeder Coming in hot in the baby's ma- baby masters race. Zach and I were sort of discussing, right? Okay, it's legal. Could he do it? Like, and, you know, could, like, what's what's the deal? Didn't he race Pan Am's? Because you can't race Pan Am's and race masters. Alan did not race Pan Am's, but he was at really rad. So that's why I was confused. And if you have less than 100 UCI points, you can, in fact, race masters and elite. So unfortunately, Alan is not that high ranked um and so he was able to you know get some glory get out there on a on a, on a you know I, I, like, he was sort of like trying to couch his victory i'm like man just enjoy it you can't there was a re-. i said yeah. the same thing I I, I I left a comment
0: i was like dude it's a legit championship as much as we want to make fun of it it's just all for fun and there you were against some of the fastest people in exactly. the country and you beat yeah. all of them you know so don't it's completely legit i thought you were going to talk about the other. Uh, I, I, I mean, how many UCI points are you allowed to have before you aren't allowed to race the the single speed race, Zach?
1: <laughs> I think some people would like to have a,
2: a limit on those. Well, this- I will say, I, I, did, I did. They passed me at the end of, I think it was the end of the first lap. And I'm like, you're doing great, sandbaggers. And I don't know if they heard that. I know Tobin saw it when I posted it on social media uh, in good jest. That was a great battle, though. I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I guess people were saying though, it was like an incredible race. Like Bruner was talking to him on the carry on the start line being like, yeah, I was like enthralled by this battle between those two guys. So uh, they delivered and you know, uh, Casey Hillebrand, I give him a shout out. He delivered. I didn't think he was good. I mean, he was up against tough cast characters pulled off the podium finish. Uh, so uh, cool to see that. But yeah, I was the single speed it was fun. It was fun. It was like, I love the single speed race. I think it's the great way to end the day on Saturday, it's that warm-up. It's the appetizer. It gets you hyped for what's to come on Sunday. Always a proponent of single speed.
0: Yeah, and uh, Sonny Gilbert ran away, literally ran away with the uh, women's race. So two-time champ there. We don't want to forget that field. Good good result for her. If you So for the uh, reel that I posted about the single speed race, I got this really nice close-up of uh, uh, Tobin coming around the third corner and you can see him look over and he says something to Carrie, and has like that good, you know, shit eating grin that Tobin gets on his face. And he's like talking to Terry and I was like, what
1: were you saying? And he was like, I was asking him what gear he was on. (laughs) He was like, it was safe to tell (laughs) me now. (laughs) Amazing. So the reason I segued Bill with the Alan Schroeder and the masters, the baby's masters thinking about what if you, I mean, how many champs could you ring up? How many belts could you get in one weekend? Like, can someone carry Warner? Can he win baby Masters? I think he's about old enough. Can he go defend his single speed and, in Louisville? And then also win the elite race? And and can he go back to college and win a collegiate jersey? Can he do and, all four? And he could do the collegiate relay. And,
2: and he could do the open relay. How many is that? Five.
1: Yeah, because, you know, uh, Maddie got three. Yeah, I mean, you could do the non-championship race. For the and a, Not a jersey, but you could win a medal.
0: So Maddie won the collegiate relay, the collegiate race, collegiate varsity race, and the U23. And it's good, it's good, it's good for Kerry because he doesn't
1: have those UCI points because he's a gravel right? Right exactly. There. That's how it works out. Yeah. Okay, Kerry, that's your new uh, goal next year. Get Kenny and Jerry on board.
2: Heading to the venue on Sunday, and really all week, I think was looking at the weather, you know. And I think on our podcast we're like, "Oh, it's going to be dry on Sunday. It's going to be dry the last few days." It was still quite muddy because it it got muddy early in the week, so just you know, important thing to remember. Uh, but it started creeping in. We started to see these little flakes, and if you looked, depending on what you looked at, it said about three p.m. or so they were going to come in, uh, and we're like, "Oh." Like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a little, little, just a few flakes? Like what's it going to be? And Bodhi and I were getting in the car and, you know, Saturday had great light, like really just great light for photography. Beautiful, you know, except for the fact that the sun in the last race goes down over the highway embankment, which kind of sucks. But we're looking, we're like, it's overcast. We're like, man, this sucks. Like this is flat, boring light. We need that snow. Um, and so I think like, I'm not saying that we willed it into existence, but we kind of willed it into existence, uh, for the sole purpose of like having good material, uh, to work with from the weather.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally that was, we were talking, I, I, I didn't think it was gonna happen. I thought it was gonna, it was gonna sleet is what I said on Twitter, but literally I was just thinking in my head of these big fluffy flakes coming down in slow-mo footage with my long lens to really compress the space and make the flakes bigger and having the riders. I was envisioning that, you know, on the plane flight up and it happened, and goddamn it, it was pretty darn awesome. And it was I didn't wear gloves all day on Sunday because I can't use gloves and work my camera. And my hands were I mean, they were popsicle sticks. I mean they're they're frozen, but it was so worth it to get a little bit of frostbite. So I don't know what
2: what I am. A hobby blogger, a journalist, whatever I want to be. Sometimes I do memes. Uh but, you know, one of the realities is like unless you say something's off the record, like if you're talking to me at a race, like it may, you know, it's it's fair game. Like this is how it works, right? Like unless you say, Hey, don't, you know, this is off the record. And I certainly respect that when folks say that. So at Pan Ams, I was, uh, I was walking somewhere with, with Raylan Nuss and I was just chatting with her and, um, you know, we were talking about Nats and stuff and, uh, there are two parts to this, but the first one, she's like, you know, I was like, you know, at Pan Ams, I was like, you were phenomenal. Like Pan Ams, you were great. Like you raced so well. I feel like you've just really leveled up. And she's like, you know what? I'm ready to give Clara, I'm ready to like do something at Nats. Like I'm going to do something at nationals. And I was like, that's a bold statement. I you know, I think you're ready, but you kind of got your ass kicked last year. <laughs> um I love to hear it. Uh and so she did, you know, it was funny like I, I th- <laughs> the start line, she's got this winter coat, she's got like the thing over her head. She looks like Kenny from South Park and I was like I was like, "Really?" She's like, I'm "Just getting ready." <laughs> I'm like, "Really?" And uh just kind of was like, "All right, you do you." Uh, but I was really impressed with, with Raylan Nuss and just how aggressive she was. You know, we talked to in the past, like, right, Michael, you were there at Pan Am. She's like, well, the, the scouting report is, on Raylan is she sucks at starts. And we we saw that all last season. We're like, wow, she's in a really bad spot. Um, and I think it just shows how far that she's come that like she had an amazing start. Like she went to the front, like she was the first one to the hill uh, and was just super aggressive and uh, put the, uh, to borrow her words, the uh, full court press on Claire Hansinger and Claire made a mistake early on. I mean, she had an early gap and I was just so impressed uh, with Raylan Nuss and her progression and like just that. I, I love, it, you know, she talks about her basketball that she was like, she called her shot. She's like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, I am skeptical. And she did it and she did it in a pretty impressive way, I thought.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that 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 was you're right. That was the scouting report on her and she's obviously fixed that and and, and got off to that nice lead. The, the thing that You know, another person, Clara, you know, also gets knocked for her starts and you could see her coming up the, uh, well, their right side, our left side of the, of the start. And, um, kind of, you know, took that first row start and turned it into a second row start, uh, coming up through all the features. But the thing that you have to respect, I completely respect about Clara is that, she never gets flustered. She fell up there. She made a mistake. Never flustered. I, I don't I still don't know if it's a smile, if it's what what it is on her face. It's just sort of her it just doesn't ever look flustered. And it, it it looked like in that race too where she was like, it's cool. I know there's a gap. I know I have time to close this down. I know that I have the skills and the the power to do it. And and she did. And she she's able to work her way back up there. And once she Got in front. It. It. She. She kind of cleared that race. Yeah, and I think the again the hill was really
2: where the gap happened, and I think that it really exposed that technical skill, like the ability to remount, dismount, make decisions. She was getting back on her bike quicker, um, so she was riding the first thing <laughs> after the first one. She was riding a few more pedal strokes, and uh, you know, and Raylan talked about that. That that's kind of where the gap happened. She missed her pedal, didn't remount as quick, and Claire's like, yeah, I just had, I'd made these decisions about where I was going to get back on my bike quicker or whatever. So, I mean, it was like definitely a lot of running, uh, as Kerry Werner informed us, he was like, wow, I didn't think there was going to be as much running on this course. It was, it was a very demanding, unrelenting, challenging course. Um, and whereas I think the previous one, kind of that choose-your-own-adventure, provided the spectacle that I think everyone was talking about. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Uh, in this case, the hill really provided riders who had both the technical ability to, to, to descend, to get back on their bike quickly, but also just the basic skill of remounting your bike quickly. Um, and so it was, it was really an interesting feature, maybe a little redundant to go up and down three times, but it really kind of... Um, I kind of exposed your weaknesses if you weren't good at those basic cyclocross skills.
1: Yeah. I think that's the one thing I thought about watching a lot of the footage and the race is just that those fundamentals, like that's what, that's the first thing you learn when you learn cyclocross is the dismount remount. And I was thinking about this because while we were at Nats, my friends in town were having a bandit cross race and I was watching videos of my friends do bandit cross and, and these folks have not been paying attention to my, my dismount remounts clinics or they didn't come. Um, but I just want to get it like this, 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 uh, that hill really sort of took these professional athletes. And in some cases made them look like beginners, but if they didn't know how to, how, how do you navigate an off camber remount? Um, and you know, in all the races, it seemed like even if you're battling for top 10 or maybe in the 15s or whatever, that UCI point, like, those battles are won and lost on that feature on that last off camber downhill slide. And so I don't know, just, yeah, like I think St. Yeah, it was like, there was a lot of running and like that feature, they kind of went up and down three times, but it really did sort of make or break the race.
0: Couple things. Uh, First, I agree. And I'll I'll get to that first, just to clear up um, Zach, you keep talking about the choose your own adventures, just to explain that to people. If they don't remember 2017, the off-camber that we had there, it's, it's a feature that I think we all love. It's something that I, I think Neil does this, where they say, here is a hillside. We are going to put a piece of tape at the bottom of the hillside, and then we are going to put a piece of tape at the top of the hillside, and here is where you come in, and here is where you go out. You're going to go out high. You figure out how to get up there. And that's, that's kind of what it was. And then there were snow tracks, and you could see it, and it was sort of cool because people were like, I'm quicker if I go all the way to the top first, or it's quicker for me if I go halfway through it and then go up the middle, and then some people were going to all the way in. And it was super cool to watch. And they, they sort of took away those opportunities this time by really compressing the off cameras, but also giving you a lot less space to work with where, like for the first one, everybody just went to the top because that's the only place you could really run. Now, when you got to that second off camber, where you know when we talk about the men's race, when the video that I shot, where everybody can't even stand because it's just frozen at that point and they're just sliding down, the the technical part that everybody was worried about was the turn into that. And if you were out there during on Saturday during the UCI practice session. That was the place, there are all these places, of the course, where people just session and people have team meetings. And they're just standing there and trying to figure out how to ride this. And, and a couple things about this. First thing is just this public service announcement. This is UCI for next year and years to follow. If you are out there racing nationals and you already raced, don't get onto the course during the UCI pre-ride. Because it's really important for these people to figure out where they're going to race. And there's only a hundred of them. Maybe 150 men and women, 200 possibly, U23, someone, whatever. There were 800 people out there riding during the UCI pre-ride. And it just, it takes away the opportunity for these people who are trying to make a living racing cyclocross to figure out the course. And I get it. If I was 12 years old, I'd probably want to go out there and try to ride it too. Get the hell off the course. It's not your time. Go do it after the event's over and you can go ride it all you want. That's what they do in Belgium. Everybody wants to be Belgian. Go do that. That being said, when I was watching it, I have a lot of like phone video of this, of just seeing people go under, people trying to run it, people trying to run it with the bike on the clean side, people trying to run it with the bike on the dirty side so they could grab the pole and then their bike wouldn't get hooked on it. But what later learned when it got slipped was that your bike's lower and it's just going to take you down with it. Clara Hansinger, when she came around those turns and everybody's like standing there waiting for their turn and she didn't even slow down. She just like rode through the crowd was like, if you guys are going to just sit here and watch this, I need to get going to the rest of the course and just nonchalantly rode the thing, rode through it, rode down and rode the rest of the course. And I was like, you are on a different level as far as skills go, because it did not. You know, granted, she got it wrong once, and it was just because it was slick. But as far as having the skills, having the confidence to be able to ride all that stuff and not have to think about it, I, it's such a huge advantage. And that's, you know, I saw that time and time again when she's up there practicing and, you know, then put it into into work
1: in the race as well. And, you know, that's what gets you a two-minute gap. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, one thing, one of my takeaways from this weekend – and Clara was just how much she gets up for nationals. You know, she actually mentioned this last year when we did the interview, Zach, that this is a big race for her. And I didn't really click, but then again she repeated it that this is this is the big race for her. She, you know, she wants to go and race in Europe, but she comes back and she also feels a lot of pressure. Even though she dominated last year, she's still respect, you know, she's respecting her the the competitors in her field, knows that they're getting better said that she was nervous in the morning we had there's a funny bit that's going to come out in the women's elite recap when i do it where she's talking her and Raylan are talking you're actually asking them like you know how how does she size up her competition she's like yeah i i eat my i get up i get nervous i eat my oatmeal and i get nervous again you know it's like so I, i i i don't know that's just another side of claire that i didn't really know a little more personality that i got to learn by covering a few races and to see that this, this is, a, this is a big race for her. It's very important for her to win this Jersey. And she likes to wear it in Europe and maybe it kind of seems easy and she breezes through and, but, and, you know, she's not spending that much time in the States, but it is a big thing for her. And uh, so if you were there and you, and you got to witness, Claire doing this, like, that's cool. You're, you're part of a little bit of history there and like revel in that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I like to see,
2: I mean, I think everyone just the importance that's placed on the race. um, You like to see it. I mean, I think it helps set the stage for, for, for watching it and just knowing what the stakes that for all of these riders, it is a really big deal. And yeah, to your point, I mean, I feel like Claire could be like, all right, well, I could literally have like a really bad start. Like I could be 30 seconds down after the first lap and no big deal, but here she is, she's talking about being nervous and just getting up on race day and just pacing and, wanting to, you know, start the race or whatever. And so, yeah, you like to see that. And I think, I don't know, I think that mentality benefits her, right? Like it benefits you to be a little nervous to, to place that weight on the race because you're going to do everything you can to prepare properly um, and to bring your absolute best and, and to stay level headed. Like if things don't go the way that you want to, at the beginning to just, to just have your head in the game and understand because that course was like 50 minutes of you had to pay attention <laughs> like there were ruts that were sending you everywhere there were tricky parts there were like remounting your bike at the top of a really steep hill that you had to do you know very gracefully um you like to see that you know the other talking about like these these features you know again it just it seems like austin Killips has a knack for being in the, the race of the day i feel like every every race that we've covered somehow she gets uh in the race of the day and this time we had a new player uh with hannah Ahrensman. um i mean to be honest i i think you know hannah aaronsman fourth at pan ams last year fourth at nationals last year i was expecting a little bit more from her uh this season i don't necessarily know that the results were kind of at that level for most of the season uh but she brought it you know uh, she wasn't. She wasn't there at the beginning. Um, she was definitely chasing early on. Uh, but she's a rider who is just so technically gifted, and there were parts of this course just just made her shine. I mean, you know, the the descent, getting back on her bike quickly, being able to descend off the hill, um, being able to to ride. That off-camber, like people are just running the off-camber and here she is like stubbornly like I'm on my bike. I'm going to take that high line uh, and go tight inside and ride it. And she picked up a ton of seconds on that. And then, you know, as as things were getting slick and, um you know, it was things were getting slick on that last pro only section, the, uh, the Stephen Hyde victory section after the Stephen Hyde off camber, uh, she was able to ride it, you know, she's just riding up it as, as it's getting slicker. And, you know, there was a moment where I was there where she went inside and, and, you know, Austin pulled wide to kind of give her that opportunity because she was riding it and, you know, she rode past her and got in the lead. So really fun battle uh, to see. And, you know, I think it's just, it was cool to get to see Hannah Ahrensman. you know, she says that style of getting her butt way back, you know, she gets way back, uh, gets on those drops and is able to descend super well. And it was awesome to see that skill set that she has on display. Oh man, but she's kind of, she's the new Courtney McFadden. Uh, Mc, Courtney McFadden goes away, and Hannah Arendsmen is like, "Hey y'all, you know what? <laughs> um, I I hope she gets I hope she gets on a podium. I know she was super super upset to come up just short." Um, but great ride. Uh, you know, and I, I really hope that that's the kind of thing that we can see her, uh, from her on a consistent basis because I've been watching her, uh, for years race her bike and she's just so, 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 so talented as a bike handler. And it's, it's so much fun to watch when we get on a course like this that has uh crazy technical features.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Hannah in fourth, Killips in third, Raylan us, uh, Bodie, um, you won. You won the over under uh one thirty-seven, minute thirty seven. I believe Zach gave us what was it, two yep. fifteen? Yeah, two fifteen. I took the over, so Clara, Clara let me down. <laughs> um but g- going going back to what you were saying about being nervous for this race and how it's important, it's hugely important. This is the most important race for an American cyclocross racer, other than if you are going to win. Worlds, you know, World Cups are nice as well, but this one holds a lot more weight. You know, when when we get to the men's race, which I think we're going into now, which spoiler Curtis White won, but you know, and it took, you know, we'll talk about the story about it taking him his basically his whole life to, to win this national championship. And Jeremy powers, you know, said, Hey buddy, you know, I, it wasn't until I was in, you know, the end of my twenties until I won my first national championship and it changed my life. You know, I mean that—that that was basically the quote from him. Like, it changed my life winning this national championship. So it's—it's it's worth getting up for and it's worth being nervous about because this—this this is truly a huge deal for all of these riders. Yeah, and I guess to that point, I, I guess I was maybe trying to say that I could
2: see Clara being like, "Oh, I'm above it. Like, I've—I've I've won Copa."
0: Oh no no I, I, no 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 That was no, not but I'm d- saying denying what just you were saying.
2: <laughs> her mentality and how much this race means, and that you love to see it that she is one of those riders could be like, Oh, she won Copenberg. She has aspirations to win worlds. She could be like, meh, whatever, you know, um, I think it's a testament to, to how much this race means and to her as an athlete and as ambassador for American cyclocross. So I think we're, we're totally agreeing with each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, great to see Georgia gold out there. Top 10, um, for her. And, uh, yeah, should we, should we move over to the, to the men's race? Michael, anything else?
2: All right, so on this same conversation, walking with Raylan Nuss, I'm like, she's like, Curtis is going to do something special at Nats. And keep in mind, this was on Sunday after Curtis just got his ass kicked three straight days by Eric Bruner. And then, you know, before he got his ass kicked two more days the next weekend.
0: Yeah, so this was really and Pan Amps at this yes. conversation. Just yeah, go back. Yeah. I'm like,
2: I was like, I could see it. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I, I'm not seeing it. Uh, she was right. Raylan was right. Something special happened. Probably one of the most special things that I've seen in cyclocross happened. So kudos to you, Raylan. Nuss, who was losing her shit at the finish?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. So which was kind of amazing. <laughs> I gotta say. So filming. If you by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, it's actually came up the men's elite recap video on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel that I did for the Bulletin is up. And, you know, I had to make a decision filming that race. I wanted to maybe see, because it was so close in the last lap between Curtis and Eric that I was like, let me just get one more shot, you know. And I got one more shot, but the best thing about that shot was the the crowd noise and the someone who's honking a car in the team parking lot. Uh, why Curtis is going by the, 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 I don't, the pit, not the pits, the, uh, where the, they wash the bikes that aren't in the pits anyway. So I ran to the finish line and the scrum was there already. And I had to make a decision. I was like, I'm just not going to get a good spot. I'm not a tall guy. There's already three rows deep. And so I decided to run around to the middle opening in the start finish line. I was like, I'm just going to get it here. And this is going to be the story point that I tell, um, so I, I thought it worked out for the video. I think it worked out well. It was a nice alternative angle. But what it meant is I missed the immediate reaction of Curtis and the mob that was there and Raylan and all that. I didn't get that on video. Um but I I got to live it vicariously through some of your amazing photos, Zach. Um and I think by the time I made it over there, you'll see in the video, there's still some good reactions. But um yeah, that's that's one of those situations, just the little, you know, those there's those decisions you have to make as a as a filmmaker a photographer and usually you play it safe and you just go to the finish line and I decided to gamble a little bit and I think i it worked out for me but um maybe I missed something maybe not
0: well i for 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 me if we we're, we're going to talk about a photo corner so um as Zach and I like to trade off on where we uh go to take that finish line shot for the women's race you know Always chasing the dragon for that uh, for that magical reverse shot of of the finish, and even prepared had the 400 millimeter lens out there was ready to roll at the at the far end, um, and got an okay shot. I knew at that point just with the amount of snow that was coming down that the distance between me and the finish line was just going to be you know there was no way to get a clear shot with as much snow that was coming down then and then what came down in the men's race. So I just was like, I'm just going to shoot video from the, from the front side and not even everybody else can get the cool photos, but um, there's no way that, that I'm not getting a look back again from Bruner. That's, that's not happening. So let me just go to the finish line and, and shoot that. But, it, but it's the same, same kind of thought process that you were going through. It was like, what, what, what's going to work? What, what are the resources that are already out there? And what, what can you try to do? That's maybe a little different. Yeah. So, I mean, the story, the
2: story, I mean, so- yeah, let's talk about the actual race. Somewhere somewhere in New England, there was literally everybody, everybody was wondering if Curtis White was ever going to win a cyclocross
0: national championship.
2: Literally everyone in New there England.
0: Were, there, were people, there were people signing up for a selective service, wondering if uh, uh, he was ever going to to win a championship, registering to vote. Well, not just that. The people are
2: 80, 90. But yes, yes, to your point. Like everyone was going to win one. I mean, 15 times, 15 times he had raced the national championship. I was actually surprised only six second places. Uh, I would have expected more seconds than six. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, the story he's talked about it. Uh, it was, you know, I, at the finish, uh, I think I misquoted myself because I was just playing at coy or whatever. And he was like. No, 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 no. <laughs> I remember exactly what you asked me. Oh yeah, and he was like, "Does this, you know?" I asked, "Does this motivate you for next year?" To quote Curtis White, he's like, "How much more fucking motivation do you think I need?" <laughs> uh, and he really internalized that, that. And I think there's so much we talk about the preparation, like, and you know, we'll we'll talk about this with with Bruner. Like, this was Curtis's everything. Like everything in this race you know i mean he brought like everything to this event like winning this race home soil i mean you talk about we call him the mayor it's insane it's it's crazy how many fans curtis white has in new england cyclocross i mean just bonkers how many how many fans he has um you know and early on like Bruner gets a gap in lap three it was actually again basic skills if you watch the video it was coming off the off camber Curtis didn't get clipped in as soon as he needed to and you needed to you had like four pedal strokes before you were hitting that hill Bruner got the pedal strokes in on that last hill Curtis had to dismount at the top and it's like we've seen this story before you know like that that gap stays there for a bit Bruner extends it and then it becomes 20 30 seconds and we're like well, Here we go again. Uh, And I think really the thing was he kept it at 10 seconds. Bodhi, we talked about this like lap five. You're like Curtis isn't that far. What's going on? Like normally this gap is bigger. And, you know, I think to his credit, like I asked him, he's like, was it bleeding out my eyeballs? I think he said my sockets. I, my eye sockets. Yeah, it's very descriptive. Um, you know, he's a classics major, so you know, very, very descriptive. But you know, I think really that's really the the setup was Curtis did everything he could to keep that at ten
0: seconds. Well, and we always joke about the anything can happen when a when a race is is out of hand. He actually, if there there is now, Curtis White can be sort of the metric for the anything can happen zone. And I think that he kept himself within that anything-can-help-happen zone. It did, and he was able to take advantage. Yeah, I love I mean, this, by the way. Make this a thing, Bill. That is brilliant.
1: Anything-that-can-happen zone. A-T-C-H-Z. Yeah. And so we, you know, I-, I didn't see it live happen, but we watched the broadcast. Bruner is just riding seemingly innocuous flat turn U-turn by the pits, hits a rut his wheel bounces up and then turns to the right so when it lands on the ground he's got he's not going anywhere and he and he falls and that was it being in that zone yeah, he kept him close and, and Curtis is able to catch up and it was one of those things where you could you could hear it on the course you could sort of hear and the announcers was was saying it and but before we go on I want to re- rewind and just say that I remember in lap two Curtis was leading with a very small gap over Bruner. And I was talking to Kenza, the Steve Tulpster photographer, we're like, huh, this, this could happen. And then Bruner gets the gap and then you're like, okay, we're back to where we were last year. And then it comes back. So just thinking about the amount of times it kind of went back and forth during this one race, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, so I
2: mean, really the the story of, and you know, we talk about Bruner and we like, Mistakes aside, like he's a pretty good technical rider, and I think you know Curtis will be the first to to tell you that he's just come so far as a as a technical rider, and it's been a must for him to be able to compete um, both against Vinny and Bruner as well as on the international stage. But um, if you caught it, there was the the S turn, the jingle cross. There was the exit was kind of like a side hill exit sweeping to the right and so by the time the the men's race rolled around most riders were just running right to the bottom before remounting because it was just it was so slick and uh if you watch in in lap one someone actually got a cell phone video of it like bruner tried to remount kind of midway down and he just slips out and so he made the decision he's like i'm done we're not we're not doing that again um so curtis stayed behind bruner on the hill he catches up on the second run up he stays behind him and uh he does a little Little tusk move. He 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 hops on halfway down the hill, skates right down, and Bruner actually did have a gap at that point, and he just closes the gap and then takes the lead, um, which was just like, and I think I think uh, Ben Frederick. I'm gonna give him credit. We ran into him at the. He was like Ben actually. I think won the award for best of writing this feature, um, but Ben thinks that it was because someone was shouting at him that Ben wrote it uh, <laughs> that Curtis got the idea to remount, but like, it was a subtle thing. And then like Curtis gets in the lead and then he does it on the bell lap. Like ah, it's beautiful. Like just incredible, like everything that you love about cyclocross, like here's someone making a decision who knows, right? The, the adage of "I got to ride at 10. He probably didn't even ride that 10 out of 10 times in, in a uh, pre-ride. Uh, but that's the thing. Like Curtis was willing to lay it all on the line. Eric was not, especially when he got caught, and Curtis 100% absolutely deserved to win this race. He does it again; he gets the winning gap, doing that move like I, I, beautiful. You just absolutely love to see it. Um, you know, just Curtis, like the development as a cyclocross racer, like mid race, all of those, all of those demons, 15 years, uh, and he makes this decision that wins the race. I just it
1: was beautiful, man. It it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see post-race in the scrum, you know, you'll see in the video, you know, I, probably in the live stream, um, but he's, he's caught up. His voice is hoarse. You know, the, the tears are there. He has a sweet hug with Al Donahue, his coach, you know, who's had some health issues but I think is, you know, you know, back and, and trying to help Curtis, you know, get this one done. And so just to, to once again, to say it, it was pretty cool to, to be in that, in that scrum zone, to witness all that. And you know, the other thing too is like I'm I'm also looking at Bruner, you know, and, and he's a little bit of like shock on his face, gets a hug from his coach, you know, Grant, and you know, and, and we talked to him after the race and Zach, he he I thought this is actually one of the better interviews we've done with Bruner. I I feel that maybe sometimes when you have a little bit of adversity it's a little more introspective and it's a little more interesting. And and he said that like he wasn't he didn't think he was quite there mentally. You know, he mentioned being nervous and maybe he's a bit too nervous. Um I know sometimes folks think, you know, being nervous means actually that you're, you're ready for something, but maybe sometimes it can go a little too much. And, um, the one thing, well, for him, for him, didn't he say that he doesn't get nervous? So that was like,
0: I mean, it's sort of like out of his comfort right. zone right there that he was nervous where he normally, yeah, he isn't. always
1: just seems no matter no, when he wins a race and he comes across the line with a gap, you know, we've interviewed him. He's just like, Hey, what's up? You know, cool, calm and collected. So, right. I can see how that's a different mental state for him. Um, but once again, I, you know, just to talk about Curtis, like I listened to his podcast in the red and in addition to these like technical skills that he's trying to do, he does talk about this mental game. Right. And, and talking to J-Pow and all his mentors, you know, and Tim Johnson, just like what you need to do to sort of like be at that next level. And I think I think, you know, Bruner probably realizes that's the next step in his progression right he's got this amazing engine and like phenomenal motor and like the next step you know the next tool to sharpen is 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 the mental game and um I also thought it was really cool in the interview that he did say like congrats he said like it was really cool to see Curtis win like he just got second place he just got beat he's a defending national champion and he said it's really cool to see Curtis win one I thought that was great i said it no no one deserves anything
2: you got to earn it but like let's be honest curtis deserved to win a cyclocross national championship and he earned it he did everything you know and i think you know talking michael about the the mental game that's a great point like brunner got punched in the face you know i think it's one of the few times that we've seen him face adversity um because you know curtis caught up he was on his way to winning curtis caught up and uh not being there 100 percent like he just he wasn't ready right like that's the next step is like to develop that mental toughness whereas Curtis has gotten his face punched in over and over and over and over again and he's developed that resiliency and you just you see it at the end of lap the the penultimate lap you know Curtis is taking risks Bruner's playing it safe he's getting off his bike sooner just not making moves. And Curtis is literally throwing everything. He's just riding confidently, making those moves and just going all in. And I, I think you're a hundred percent right. And we forget like Bruner's like what, 25, 24, like he's plenty of years to grow, but I, I, you know, I really hope for him as a writer that he takes this and what happened and, and learns from it and kind of uses that as motivation, you know, but also bill, like it's always hard to win the second title, right?
0: Yeah, I, maybe it's the third title. Doesn't that like it seem like that? But yeah, no. I mean, there's so much more pressure. I mean, that's the thing. Even with even with powers, he'll talk about it when he was on that winning streak where he just never lost. He's like, once he lost, it was great. You know, he, he didn't want to lose, but he was like, it was just so much less pressure. But, um, I think this is, this could be a, a great rivalry now. And I think that, that, I mean, I love watching Eric Bruner race. I think he's one of the most talented bike racers we have in the country and can compete on the world level. So, and he's, he's just getting started. I mean, this is only what his second year in the, in the elite field, right? Second, second. Or third, um, second. Yeah. Cause he wanted going in there the first time. So, I mean, he's got a, got a great future, uh, you're talking about the in the red podcast, uh I know I know Tony listens to this, so I'm gonna ask this question for the podcast. And I just I I may be too late, but maybe they can do it on their follow-up. What I wanna know is if uh Logan Owen has has called Curtis to <laughs> congratulate him.
2: Well, and that's you know, talking about uh being Being happy for people, you know, I was talking to, to Kerry Werner, uh, did not get off to a good start. I think this course more so than any, just really important to have a good start and talk about the mental game. You know, last year he, he admitted it, like he got off to a bad start and he quit. I mean, it just was a really disappointing race from Kerry Warner last year. And 30 seconds into the race, he was out of it. And you know, he was like an eighth. Like, the win was gone, right? Like, he probably wasn't going to win. And I give him a lot of credit that he really showed a lot of fight and battled back into the race. And he got up with that group with Lance and Caleb um, and then realized that he was the stronger, better man on the day. Um, was encouraging them. <laughs> what, was, what was his quote, Michael? What are we doing here, racing then, for yeah, fifth?
1: We're not <laughs> fucking racing for fifth.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I give him so much credit for, for battling. I mean, we've talked about the story of Kerry. He, you know, he gets third, but I mean, he's the next guy. He's like, I was like, you know, Curtis got it. I mean, you're next, my guy. He's like, I'm really happy for Curtis. And then I'm also really pissed off. And, you know, I think that Kerry has, yeah, he's done so much. He's been close. I think you know Lakewood was his moment. I think Lakewood was the race that he was going to win nationals, but for the tape incident. Did you, know, did you that see
0: that? That's like circulating again. I mean, what a, oh. what a kick in the teeth too. I, I saw it today. I saw like the gauge tape incident uh, show up on my uh, Instagram. Yeah, feed today. He, he
2: did everything right that season and was just perfect form. It was the perfect course for him, and it's just like you feel for the guy, and you know then. Uh, I informed him that it was going to Louisville, which he was not happy with. I mean, I think that's really the one blemish on his nationals record since Hartford was the sixth place there with the, he did not race really well. So I don't think he's super stoked. I don't know. Hopefully something can happen, but I mean, he's the next guy. <laughs> As I said, I was like, he's like, it's like, what am I gonna do? I was like, well, you know, Kerry, there's only one thing for you to do in this situation. He's like, yeah, I guess I should just go win.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, that is the news that we're going back to Louisville going back to Joe Creason Park, uh, and maybe, um, you know, I know Kerry didn't like it, but at the same time he was thrust into the worst conditions that anybody had on there and they were trying to reroute and there was the torrential rain and the mud and it was just a running race. So, you know, if we have a better, um, contingency plan plus maybe little better conditions, then I think that that course could actually, um, suit him.
1: Well, yeah, Pan Am's in 2017 was at the Ed Joe Creason and it was dry and it was fast and it was tough. So let's hope we get that. I, I actually, as a photographer, filmmaker, actually would like that again as opposed to the 2018 Slogfest or 17. That sucked. <laughs> yeah,
2: it was no fun for anyone except for Sonny Gilbert. Really, only fun for Sonny Gilbert
0: uh any any closing thoughts here on on nationals that was it was it turned turned out uh to be a great week and um you know it was it was good to be back in hartford and I'm happy to go to some other places now
2: i mean I'll, a lot of people were doing this on on uh on twitter um you know <laughs> it was funny like Peter flax was posted the question about why do women only race for fifty minutes and the men for sixty. And of course, there were like five reply guys who were like, F USAC. It was like, okay, but it's a UCI rule. So this is like, I'm just saying people are like predicated to to, to criticize USAC. You know, last year during the elite women's race, we had uh, protesters, uh, anti-trans protesters that I think really cast a shadow on that race because it was just such a wonderful weekend, you know, and cyclocross is inclusive and the vibes were just so good. Like everyone was just so positive. It was awesome to see old friends and, you know, see folks that we've seen before. And I think everyone was really nervous about, you know, would, would that cast a a pall on, on this race? But USAC was proactive this time. You know, they released the fan code of conduct. Um, They let folks that, you know, that really wasn't what we wanted at the national championship and was really proactive on it. And, we got to enjoy the racing. Like they weren't there. It was awesome. Like we got to focus on, you know, being supportive of the athletes and being supportive of the community and enjoying the racing. And I think so many people just had that takeaway that it was the vibes were just so good on Sunday and everyone was so happy uh, with how it went. Um, You know, and some, some credit to USAC, like they were caught off guard, you know, again, they are short staffed and, you know, weren't prepared for that. And this year they did. Um, And you know, the, The least we can hope is that they learn, right? We want people to learn. We want people to improve. And they said this, you know, create a negative space around this event last year, and they they fixed
1: it. And so kudos to them for for
2: being proactive on that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 been a long year for me travel wise. I think I did sixteen weekends of, and Bill probably not. That's probably half of what you did. So, but like. I was out standing around on you know hot p- pavement at crits. I was actually at a crit in March where it was colder than it was in Hartford. Um, but I was like, Ugh, I want to go, but I didn't. I, I didn't know if I could muster the uh, energy, and I did. And I'm so glad I did. Every time it's like this. Nationals is a lot of fun. Um, every venue, every conditions and challenge. And once again, just to get that snow was so cool. Like I've never shot a snow race before. Um, and I'm actually kind of happy the way it played out perfectly. Like if it was like actually Val de Soleil snow on the ground and icy, that would have been a different game, but like just, this was this exactly what I asked for. And I had a sort of dream and a vision and it came to fruition and we had some amazing stories in the racing. Like I said, once again, I just, I'll for, forever remember that moment of being in the scrum after Curtis winning just, just to, just to be there and witness that history. Um, This is something I really like to do, and I like I care about cyclocross, and it's kind of fun. It's almost ten years now of of going to nationals, so it was a good capper. Um, And I'm looking forward to Louisville, and um, I'm looking forward to watching a lot of European cross on my couch, and seeing how many towels (laughs) Wow, it's gonna be hanging out
0: with. Yeah, they need to send them like a sorry bath towel set or something to go along with like a sorry cake uh, you know just to close things out here uh, yeah it was a successful nationals and um, I want to thank both of you all because I the the coverage was awesome Zach the photos amazing and the, yeah, I think some of your best uh, race recaps you know for the Bodhi, I've only watched the men's, but I, I texted, you know, I was like, you know, I think this is some of the best work you've done. And it's a super emotional and uh, moving recap of the men's race. So I hope everybody goes to the wide angle podium, YouTube page and watches that. And I just look forward to, to seeing what you uh, put together for the women's race. Um, and look, you know, this is sort of the pitch, and uh, we say it all the time. Zach was talking about how it is easy to get these interviews here. You know, he's half joking, but at the same time, it's kind of sad that we're not fighting for other media outlets to to get interviews because there should be more people uh, covering this. You know, we 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 didn't even get to grouse about you know the bigger um, publications just flying in for nationals and that's all they want to cover, and then figure hoping thinking that they can just like barge their way into you know top shelf coverage over the top of us who have been like grinding it out week after week but we're the ones that are left uh, so you know go sign up for the wide angle podium go sign up for the um, for the for the hairs bulletin because uh, these guys are doing awesome work
2: yeah I wanted to say thanks to everyone who supports us I think that really I don't know hit home like to hear people that you know are still subscribing and supporting us and provide feedback and stuff like that because you've seen like yeah, there's some other sites out there. They take other people's content and they don't really add any value to it. And that's, that's cool. But you know, we're grinding like your support means that we can send Bodhi to do these amazing videos the, your support motivates me <laughs> and gets me to these races. It gets Bill to all of these races, you know, to provide this. And so yeah, I just really appreciate your support. It's been a great season. Um, you know, I, again, was pretty pessimistic coming into the season. Uh, you know, it's all been all about vibes. The vibes are so good. And I don't know, man. Just so many people. It's it's really about the people, and it was just awesome. Like, go to Nats. Like, it's so cool. Um, it's just, you know, as Bill, to coin Bill's friend, it's the family reunion. And um, I thought it was a great season. We had so many great stories, we had so many great races. And uh, I mean, the coverage is thanks to you. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we're not going anywhere. As Michael said, we'll sit around on the couch for the next couple of weeks, but then Zach and I will both be at World. So we'll uh, continue live coverage, um, or at least in person coverage from there. But uh, for this, I guess next week we'll uh, be back here uh, talking about some Euro races. So uh, we'll talk to you all then.